Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guest. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to set up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also, visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com, or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. Jesus stood on a hillside just outside the city of Jerusalem with a band of faithful followers. And while they were faithful, they still weren't really sure what was happening. Forty-three days before, they had seen their Savior, the one they loved, Put up on a Roman cross. But three days after that, they had been absolutely staggered by the news and the proof that he had overcome death. And here he was again. And for 40 days, Jesus walked and talked and did so many things to prove he really was that one that had been on that Roman cross. He really was the one who had fulfilled all of those Old Testament prophecies. If I may cut that sentence down, he really was the one. And now they stood on a hillside, and some of them still didn't know what was going on. Because Luke tells us in Acts chapter 1 that they, plural, not not just one, or not not just one among many, but they, maybe all of them for sure, most of them, or at least some of them, they were asking the question, Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom? Isn't that why you came, if I may paraphrase? Didn't you come to set up a kingdom? And and what's going on here? You've been here for all of these years. You've taught. You've healed. You've died. You've come back. And you've, you've proven yourself. Is this the time? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times nor the seasons. But you have a job to do. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That city right over there, just we're right on the outside of it. You'll be my witnesses there, but not just there. In Judea and Samaria. And the old King James has, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Other translations simply put it to the ends of the world or the ends of the earth. That's staggering, isn't it? They're still confused. They still have a question. And now Jesus is giving them a job to do that is off the charts difficult. You're going to be my witnesses all over the world. And then Luke tells us that after he had said that, as they were looking, he was gone. But why? Why would he give them that job? And I've already put the verse on the screen before you. Why why would Jesus give them that job? You go. They, They had to be staggered at it. But he had already promised them that the Holy Spirit would come and help them. The book of John tells us. He already promised him them that he would be with them. Matthew 28 and verse 20. I'm with you to the end of the world or the end of the age. But why would they have to tell the world all about him? 
Was it just because people need a better life? And so here's somebody who came and taught some good things and who lived an amazing life and even performed some miracles. And, and, and you know, if, if, if your marriage is on the rocks, you come to Jesus and things will get better. If your finances are difficult, you come to Jesus and things will get better. If you have difficult relationships, you come to Jesus and things will get better. Is that what they were supposed to do or was there something bigger? What Jesus had already said, there was something bigger. Throughout this year on Sunday mornings, we have looked at the words of Jesus Christ. We spent some time, of course, in the four accounts of the gospel. We spent some time in 2 Corinthians, the passage about the thorn in the flesh. We spent a little bit of time in Revelation. But throughout these lessons, we have come back to John 14, verse 6, several times. Where Jesus there said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. But earlier in that chapter, he had said some amazing things too. Because he said in John 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go prepare a place for you? And here it is. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This morning... We're going to end at the end. You may have noticed the scripture reading a few minutes ago came from the very last chapter of the Bible. Because it is only fitting that scripture, as we have it recorded, as far as the the order of books that we have it, ends including words from Jesus. Revelation chapter 22. In Revelation chapter 22, Jesus reminds us of the fact that is never questioned in scripture that he is coming again. And so he told those people on that hillside, you go be my witnesses. Why? Is it important that people have a good life and their marriages get better and all those things? Yes, but there's something bigger than that. And it is the fact that Jesus is coming. There's more to this life than just this life. That's the message of the New Testament. And it's where we want to end our year thinking about the words of Christ. We're taking our title this morning for our lesson from an old hymn. Some of you may have grown up singing it. The first couple of verses contain these words. It may be at morn when the day is awaking, when sunlight through shadows and darkness is breaking, that Jesus will come in the light of his glory to receive from the world his own. It may be at midday. It may be at twilight. It may be, perchance, that the blackness of midnight will burst into light in the blaze of His glory when Jesus receives His own. And the chorus comes back and states, O Lord Jesus, how long, how long, ere we shout the glad song, Christ returneth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. In Revelation chapter 22, Jesus makes it clear that he is coming. And from those words that he states, I want us to make four points this morning. But at the end of each point, I want each of us, not just us collectively, but each of us individually to ask the very simple question, am I ready? Number one is the very simple fact that he is coming Three times in Revelation 22, Jesus utters the fact, I am coming. You'll find those words in Revelation 22, verse 7, verse 12, and verse 20. 
But you're also going to find those words after words such as behold or surely or verily. I am coming. This is not something to be questioned. Our Lord himself stated, as he already had in his ministry, that he is coming again. Now, that does not mean that Jesus is coming to set foot on earthly soil again in some physical way. In fact... Back in Acts chapter 1, when those people looked up and saw Jesus ascending, you may remember, it's almost comical in a way. They just keep looking up. What's going on here? And finally, some some angels come along and basically say, why are you staring? Why do you keep gazing toward heaven? But then they say, in the same manner or in like manner in which he was taken, he will come again. He's coming in the clouds. And Paul would fill in some information about that for us as well. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, You have a passage that's quite often read at funerals, but it's more than just a funeral passage. Because he was writing to some Christians who were very confused. They were living in a time, obviously after Jesus had died and was raised and gone back to heaven. But now Christians themselves began to die. You've been several years since the promise that Jesus is coming back. And they began to wonder, well, what about those people who have died? Are they going to miss the second coming? That's why 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning of verse 13, is in your Bible. As people are asking, what about those people who have died? And so Paul wrote these words. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who've died. That you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, those who've died. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always, wherever, be with the Lord. And then Paul added that beautiful little phrase, therefore encourage or comfort one another with these words. It is absolutely unquestioned in Scripture that Jesus is coming. He's coming in the clouds and we will meet him in the air. Are you ready? But number two from Revelation chapter 22, we also are reminded that he is coming soon. The very next word in those verses in Revelation 22 reminds us that not only is Jesus coming, but there is a quality about his coming that we must always have in mind. Now, there's some argument over what what that word is supposed to mean. There are some translations that have the word soon. Jesus is coming soon. I, I am coming soon. And those who state that would state that the reason it's translated that way is because to God, time means nothing. And so even though it's been, what, 1900 years or so since Revelation 20 was penned, then it's just nothing to God. It's still soon to God. There are others who say that it should say quickly. Some translations have that I'm coming quickly because when Jesus returns, it will be, as Paul would write, in the twinkling of an eye. It'll be a quick event. It's interesting that the word translated soon literally means without delay. It also carries the idea of something that is sudden, as if it were a surprise in that sort of way. And so it could mean either. It could mean soon, as if if you're looking at it from the perspective of God. It could mean quickly, if you're looking at it from, from our perspective. But the point of the word is not so much soon or quickly. The point of the word is that when God says it's time, it's time. And when God says it's time, there is no more time. That's the meaning behind the word. 
is that it's the perfect time and it's the end of time. In fact, Peter would tell us, if you turn to the book of 1 Peter, you're going to see that all the way back in the first, second Peter, excuse me, all the way back in the first century, you had people who were already beginning to question the second coming of Christ. And that may seem strange to us because here we are getting ready to switch over to 2018. And here Peter was writing, what, 25 or 30 years after, after Jesus went back to heaven? And people were already, Second Peter chapter 3 verse 4, there are people already saying, ever since the elders fell asleep, the fathers fell asleep, everything's staying the same. You've got Christians who have died. You've got some apostles who have already died. And since they died, nothing's changed. So he's not coming back. That's what was going on all the way back when Peter wrote. But then Peter added these words. For they, notice the word, they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water, the flood, and perished. And by the same word, what word? The word of God, the word that created the world, the word that destroyed the world in the flood. By the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the judgment, the day of judgment, excuse me, and the destruction of the ungodly. And then just a couple of verses later, down in verse 10, Peter would add that very famous statement, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now, what is Peter saying? Peter is telling those Christians, you believe that God created the world by his word. That's one of the amazing things about Genesis chapter 1, is it not? It's amazing enough that God created everything. It's even more amazing that all he did was say the word and it happened. Let there be light and there was light. There are very few words or statements in scripture that are more simply worded than that and yet more powerful than that. All God had to do was say, let there be trees and there were trees. It's utterly amazing. And he was telling those Christians, you believe in the power of that word. And you believe that that same powerful word destroyed the world with water, the flood. Now, we don't have recorded if God made some speech or if God said something and the waters began to fall. But what he's saying is when God said it was time for the flood, it was time for the flood. Nothing could stop it. And now Peter is saying that if you believe in that, then whenever God says it's over, it's over. The same power that said, let there be light and there was light. I don't know what word or phrase or statement or speech God will make. But whenever God says, that's the end of time, that will be the end of time. It will be without delay because it's perfect in God's timing. And it will be suddenly because there will be no time to run to the church building and be baptized. There will be no time to drop on my knees and try to pray that prayer of repentance I've been putting off for months or years or even decades. When God says it's over, it is over. He is coming soon without delay. He is coming quickly. It will be sudden. How do I prepare for it? Aren't you thankful Jesus told us? Because the third place in Revelation 22, we learn that we must follow Scripture. As Jesus made the first of those three statements in that chapter, in Revelation 22 and verse 7, He said, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy 
of this book. Now, in the context, by using the phrase, the prophecy of this book, he's speaking specifically about the book of Revelation, being faithful to that message. And you may may go, oh, me, I've read that book and that's rough. How am I supposed to be faithful to all these dragons and crowns and all this stuff? If you have your Bible open to Revelation 22, turn back maybe two pages to Revelation chapter 17. May I show you what the whole book of Revelation is about? I don't have to understand every last little picture and every last little thing that's found in that book. But in Revelation 17, verse 14, you have the key verse to the entire book and the overall message. They, that is those who oppose Christ, they will make war with the Lamb. And the Lamb, Christ, will will conquer them, overcome them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. What is the point of the book that Jesus said, you keep this message. If you're with Christ, you win. That's the point of the book. He's already won the war. He's already overcome. If you're with him, you win. But can we not make application and be reminded as well that we must be faithful to the whole of Scripture? In order to be found faithful at the end. Jesus himself said in John chapter 12 and verse 48. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I've spoken will judge him on the last day. You know, when someone comes into a court of law and there's the judge and there's the jury. And they've committed some crime or they're being accused of committing some crime anyway. They're not really judged by the judge. They're not really judged by the jury. They're judged against the law. Here's what the law says. Have they kept it or have they not? And that's what Jesus is saying about the end of time. That that when we come to the end of time, well, what he has said is what we'll be judged by. In our courts of law, someone says, well, I didn't know robbery was wrong. We kind of go, well, you should have known. That's pretty obvious. And the same is true on judgment day. Ignorance will be no excuse. Because Jesus has said, the words I've spoken, that's what's going to judge us on that last day, that final day. So knowing that that that's the case, we must follow Scripture. But I want to ask the question, why would I not want to follow Scripture? But Because Scripture helps us in this life as well. David wrote long ago, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. Psalm 119, verse 105. And we all know, in fact we prayed together a few moments ago with Sean Lettuce, that we live in a world that's dark and difficult. Don't you want your pathway lit? Well, how does that happen? Through Scripture. How, how, do, I, how do I know how to have a, a marriage? How do I know how to have parenting? How do I know how to be a citizen? How do I know how to be an employer or employee? How do I know how to just have friendships that are the best they can be? I follow Scripture. But it's more than just this life. Because Scripture prepares us for eternal life. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 and 12, you have that judgment scene. We're told about those books. And I saw the books opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And they were judged by what is found in that book. Now, the question becomes, what are those other books? The book of life, we talk about from time to time, about making sure my name is there. We sing that song sometimes, don't we? My name is in the book of life. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. And we understand that whatever it specifically looks like, we can get some picture in our mind of uh, of being called before that, that judgment scene, it being my turn, if you will, and my name being there. And whether it says forgiven or not forgiven, is basically what it boils down to, righteous or unrighteous. 
righteous. And, and so is my name there and it says forgiven. But what, what are these, these other books? It's scripture. That by which I'm judged. A- am I faithful to those other books? The book of scripture. I need to ask myself a very sobering question. I have several times I've been preparing this lesson. The question is this. Am I faithful to all of Scripture? Are you listening? Am I faithful to just enough Scripture to make myself feel good? That's a sobering question. It's very easy to say, well, I'm faithful to these things. When Jesus himself said, whatever he spoke, that's what I'm going to be judged by. Not the parts that make me feel good. Not the parts that are easy for me to follow. Am I faithful to all of scripture? Or am I faithful to just the parts or just enough that sort of salve my conscience and make me feel okay about myself? I need to know that I'm faithful to scripture. Are you ready? Number four, we learn from these last verses in Scripture that Jesus is coming as the authoritative judge. When Jesus comes and the end is ushered in, it will be time for judgment. Jesus will have the last word. The book of Revelation makes it clear that it may seem as if evil triumphs in this life. And sometimes in our life it seems that way. But Christ always has the last word. And that will be true in the ultimate sense. On that time we sometimes call the great and final day. And so our Lord said in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. That brings to mind, in my mind anyway, what Paul gave to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, where he said, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether it's good or or evil. Now in Revelation, the, the emphasis here is on those who've done evil, bringing recompense. Christ will have the final word over them. Paul makes it clear it's not just on those of evil. We will all stand before him. If we've done good, that's wonderful. We'll love that day because we'll hear those beautiful words. Well done, good and faithful servant. If we haven't been faithful, that's not what we're going to hear. We're going to have the recompense of Christ placed upon us. But did you notice we're calling this point that he is coming as the authoritative judge? Who is the only one who can judge all of humanity? It's the one who kept every law of God perfectly. That's the only one who can who is the only one who has the right to give the punishment or the reward to every person who has ever is or will ever live it's only christ and that's the emphasis of verse 13 where jesus says i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end the first and the last why did he say that and why did he say it three times alpha the the first letter of the greek alphabet omega the last letter of the greek alphabet First letter, last letter, beginning, end, first, last. Jesus was saying, I am God. I'm eternal. That's what he's saying. And so he has the right to be the one behind that judgment bar. He has the right to say guilty 
or not guilty. He has the right to say righteous or unrighteous. He has the right to say forgiven or not forgiven. It's the same thing he would say at the end of Matthew before he gave the Great Commission. Before he said, go and teach the gospel to all creation. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. That's the one who's coming. That's the one each of us individually will stand before. Are you ready? I want to ask a simple question. And it's a question that I can only answer for myself. And you can only answer for yourself. And if you want to go ahead and turn to the song invitation, that's fine. I know we're not using the screens this morning, so I understand if you get your songbook out. It's okay. But you may have noticed we got our four points this morning. Two of them from each of the three times Jesus said in that chapter, I'm coming. And then I'm coming soon. The third point came from the first time Jesus said it. The fourth point came from the second time Jesus said it. The third time all he said was, surely I'm coming soon. That's it. Here's a question I have to answer. And each of us individually has to answer. Is when I read, hear, or consider the fact that Jesus says, I am coming without delay. Can my response be the exact same as was John's? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I can't answer that question for you. But it could be there's somebody sitting in this room this morning who hears a sermon about the second coming. Your, your response may be, yeah, right, whatever. That was, what, 90 A.D. or whatever. It's about to be 2018. Give me a break. Then you're not ready. Or it may be that you hear a message like this and your response is not, well, I haven't done the worst things in the world. But, yeah, I'm not really sure. Am I ready? Am I, I'm not really sure. Then praise God he's given you a chance to get right. Because when God says it's over, it's over. And this is your chance. I want everyone in this room to be able to sing words like Christ returneth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Not Christ returneth. And I'm not ready. As another song asks. Are you ready for that day to come? Have you ever put Christ on in baptism? Oh, that's I need, I need 50 Bible studies. No, you don't. Do you know that Jesus died for you? And do you know that you must obey him? If so, that's what you need to do. You need to come to him and you need to put him on in baptism this morning. As a Christian. Are you living in such a way that really honors that and it looks forward to that second coming? Or are you just kind of going through life and you're not really sure if you're prepared or not? But, you know, I do some good stuff. That's got to be good enough. It's time to get ready. 
It's time to be able to walk through life and say, I can't wait for Christ to return because I get to go home. I want to be with God forever. And that's where I'm going. And if that's not the way you're living your life, it's time to get it right. It's time to get it right. It's time to get it right. And that time is right now. I'll be standing and sing to encourage you.